This episode of Sewing Out Loud is brought to you by the Made to Measure Leggings class from SewHere.com. This online class brings ZD right into your sewing room to show you how to measure, draft, and construct a pair of leggings based on your personal measurements. Go to SewHere.com leggings to find out more and get access to all the videos and course materials immediately. That's SewHere.com leggings. Welcome to Sewing Out Loud, the official podcast of ZD Sewing Studio. Here are your hosts, ZD and Mallory. You want me to sing it? Yeah. Is that what you want me to sing do? it. Okay. Witches and goblins and jack-o'-lanterns bright creep through the town on a cold October night. You hear the sound of running feet, but nothing can be seen. Woo! The strangest things can happen on a wild Halloween. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Mallory Donahue. And I'm Zidi Donahue. And we're welcoming you to a spooky episode of Sewing Out Loud. And I'm the Bad Witch. What am I? I have a shirt that says the Bad Witch. You and it's do. like my standard Halloween costume, and I made it like 20 years ago. We, I just pull it out and wear it every year. We asked people in the Self Sewn Wardrobe group to share their spookiest sewing stories i said sewing room but then people were like you know <laughs> i don't have a there are other room. locations there are, and i'm yeah, like oh okay right. so spooky sewing stories and i just want to lead off with like if you had a sewing car yeah yeah or sewing well, there's, barn there's some whatever. work situations which i love oh in that's here. true that's good but one. margaret has a story yeah. something that keeps happening over and over in her sewing room is this margaret hartman Yes. Okay. Yeah. Spookily enough, fabric just keeps showing up in her sewing room, and she has no idea where it comes from. Whoa. Like fabric goblin. We may have the same ghost. You know, isn't that amazing? Yes. Next up, we have a story from Lauren. I worked at a haunted Joann's in college. We called the ghost George. I went to Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas, and worked at the original location. It has since moved. The building had a creepy basement, and apparently it used to connect to the bar across the street during Prohibition. I didn't believe this store was actually haunted until one evening my coworker and myself were the only two closing in the store. She was going, um, she was doing ad set in the front of the store while I worked the cutting table and register. I was helping the last customer of the night and had just taken my jacket off, putting it in a basket under the cutting counter, and then walked the customer to the front for checkout. In less than five minutes, I was away from the cutting counter. The basket with my jacket was moved from under the counter to the top of the counter. I could see my coworker from the register, so I knew she hadn't left her spot. I told her what happened, and we closed the store in record time that night. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Whoa. So Courtney's story is, I listened to Ghost Story podcasts while I sew, and the other night I glanced up and saw two eyes staring at me through the window. But it was a raccoon, not a ghost. I saw his tail when he ran away because my scream scared him. 
Beth writes, I was sewing cording for decorative pillows and tossed a three-inch end piece into the trash bucket. I was so happy with my project that I silently sent out cheers and gratitude to share the moment with my angel mother. She taught me the basics when I was a curious teen, and I knew she would be very proud of my accomplishments in in my sewing studio. Within minutes, that scrap was up and out of the bucket, sitting a few feet away on the rug. This type of thing happens a few times a year, so I was more excited than freaked out. But I'm also a professional genealogist by day, and I can tell many stories of how spirits show up in people's lives, not just near my craft table. It was like having a remote sewing buddy. Hmm. So Aaron shares this with us. Many years ago, a friend gave me a dress form. It had a very weird energy to it, like it was a real person. My roommate didn't like it either. One day, it popped into my head that the form's name was Giselle. Very creepy and weird, but I was 100% certain of her name. I never said anything about it to my roommate, but a month or so later, she told me, You know, your form, Giselle, creeps me out. Ooh, 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 anyway. Okay, I was shocked and asked how she came up with that name. Her response, I don't know, it just popped into my head. I was certain that that was her name. Goosebumps, the weirdest thing, the original friend who gave me the form took me to several SCA events. It was there that I learned she had adopted the name Giselle for her SCA persona because it had popped into her head while pinning on that form. Oh, man. Okay. okay. Do you know this? Oh. My French name in French class is Giselle. was Giselle, even though I my middle name is a French name. Oh, really? Let's not tell everybody what my middle name is because everybody knows everything about me already. But, we know um, what your middle name is. I don't it's know. all over the no, place. No, no, no. I took it off of Facebook. I'm uh, sure you did? Somebody can find it. It's fine. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was my French, when you get to choose a name. So here, I love the name Giselle, it's too. It's coming around. So... I have had several dress forms in my home. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you, when Kara Muncy got married, now you were little, so I don't know, maybe you were it wasn't like that eight, little. nine, I don't know. But she got married, you know, so. Kara Muncy was 18 when I was eight or nine. Right. She, didn't... she Well, she was like 20 when she okay. got married. Okay, all right. She was pretty okay. young. Okay, okay. So that was always my gift to the girls' friends or whatever that I would alter their wedding dress. Believe me, it was a really nice gift. But. It was this big dress. It was really like a, you know, it was a big uh, ballerina type dress, big skirt, right? And <laughs> I, I had it on dress form, and I had it in the living room at the time because it was the only place that had like enough floor space to bustle this thing and everything, right? On this, dr- so he had it on this dress form, and I would forget it was down there, and I would like go and go past the room, you know, I think, oh my god, who's in the room? So finally, it was so funny. My husband goes. Uh, we've got to move the dress form. And I'm like, well, why is it in your way? He goes, no, but I keep thinking somebody's in the living room. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You you know. So we're both having, like, the same thing, like, that it was a presence. <laughs> Our brains are wired to recognize patterns. Right. And which shapes. is why Which right. is why I think that every stump out there is an animal as we're driving through the so, country. <laughs> Mallory was probably about 10 or 12 maybe when this happened. No, I don't know how old you were, but I think I thought we were going – up to Fayette. So you could have been like eight or nine. We're d- we had a lot of, in fact, we had a terrible car accident, like on one of these rides, going back and forth to Hillary's college to pick up like things to alter and make and all this. 
And so Hillary was in college and Mallory was like in second grade or whatever. So, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, oh, look at the horse. And she says, oh, it has a baby. Oh, and it has a baby. She goes, oh, it's a stump. So now. Which led to years of me seeing things all the time. Still. All the time. We will be riding down the road and I don't know. It's just like me and, you know, your dad. And I'll say something. I'll go, oh, look at that boat no, over no, there. No. Or something like that. He goes, oh, does it have a stump? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm still thinking that trees that I see are animals, are animals. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'll be like, look at that deer. I oh, see faces in things. Yeah, but that's where it's, it's, yeah. it is evolutionarily yeah. advantageous to is see it? such things. Because okay? I see faces like even in like rugs, so like I'm, the yarn of rugs yeah. and thing, weird things like that. Well, that's why we all think things. that the the spiders in our sewing rooms, man exist, in the moon, right? right. You know, the, okay. you see the man in the moon, that kind of thing. Let's move on to our next spooky okay. story. Mary says, one day I was in my sewing studio and I heard this scratchy noise coming from the area where the cutting table meets the wall. It seemed. I was working on a design that had me fiddling with a pattern, cutting and pasting here and there. The noise would come and go. I would move to the iron or machine, and it seemed to go away. We live in the woods, and critters are common, and all I could do was picture some possum or porcupine trying to eat its way through the outside wall and into my room. Or a ghost. It seemed to me every time I played with my project, it started scratching and spooking me. This went on for two or three days, and of course, when I brought my husband down to save me from this monster in the wall, it didn't make any noise. Then my granddaughter came, and we were cutting out projects at the cutting table, and she got spooked hearing the noise as well. Husband down, no noise. The three of us stood quietly in the middle of the room and waited for the noise, and nothing. She and I got back to work at the cutting table. Noise again. Then my sweet granddarling figured it out. I had a belt on, and every time (laughs) the buckle rubbed the table as I leaned around to work on my project. It made this crazy scratching noise. <laughs> that is spooky. We were both convinced that some sort of monster was eating its way through the wall, but in the end, it was my own protruding tummy and a big honking belt buckle that played havoc with our imaginations. Okay, this reminds me of when Sam and I were running the embroidery machine, and we couldn't figure out where this like squealing noise was coming from. And it was the big six or ten needle machine or whatever, 12 needle. So it was that big machine. Yeah. Well, those machines that, you know, hand wheel if you will is on the back right mm-hmm. and it was close flywheel whatever it was yeah. close to some slat wall and it was rubbing on the slat oh. wall and by the time we figured it out and we moved the machine away it, it had rubbed away the slat the wall. wheel no it oh. rubbed away the wheel oh. so there was this big like nipple in the right. And I mean that uh, is a really easy part to replace, but um, anyway, yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious. Selena shares, I was sewing happily one day when my neighbor pulled up next to my sewing room window, towing a large open utility trailer with a solitary dental chair strapped to it. The chair was very dingy and wear-worn. Very David Parker Ray, if you catch my drift. I was intrigued. My neighbor proceeded to leave it in his driveway adjacent to my sewing room window for the rest of the afternoon. As the day progressed, I could hear a lot of shuffling around in his garage as he was rearranging it. That night, at dusk, he loaded the chair into his garage. I was sewing a pair of ginger jeans, so I was present from the time the chair arrived to the time he brought it in. 
I spent years wondering quietly if my neighbor had installed a torture room and or DIY OR for an unlicensed surgery clinic before I found out he was just storing equipment for his family's closed tattoo parlor. How disappointingly mundane. <laughs> Well, I was working on this show, so I had all these patterns to cut out, and I'd been working really hard, and I cut out a bunch of patterns, and I'm all stacked up by size and everything, and I sat down to my sewing machine, and the knee lift was gone! Oh, no! Oh, my nightmare! Our next story is from Catherine. A few days ago, I put a brand new bright LED light over my sewing table. I like it bright. But today I was using the sewing table as my office desk, working from home, and the brand new light suddenly blinked out. Darn. These things aren't cheap, so I climbed up and replaced it, leaving the burned out one on the sewing table because I couldn't believe a brand new bulb burned out. The new bulb shone brightly, but after about an hour it blinked out too. Uh-oh, that sounds like a fixture problem, not a light bulb problem. The ambient light in the room had changed, so I didn't bother to try and fix it again. When my workday was done, I grabbed my current project and moved over by the window to get enough light to pick out some basting stitches. And the bright overhead light suddenly blinked back on, and it stayed on just fine all evening while I sewed. I'll have to remember that's a sewing table. So does it know it's a sewing so light? Her her sewing ghost won't keep the light on if she's working right. from home. She you it, have to be he, sewing. He, the the, the sewing ghost is, is like stop. It pisses him off. Stop doing Excel yeah. spreadsheets Don't, and Zoom so meetings. This should be like pick sewing. out some basting stitches. Yes. yes. Saga of the missing dress. The kids were doing a musical theater production, and this was a class at the high school. These were all kids that I had, you know, costumed all the time throughout the years or whatever. And anyway, it was into the woods, and they had actually made like six stepsisters, you know, because there were too many, there weren't enough parts in the play. So there weren't, you know, three stepsisters or whatever. You know, it turned out there were six or, or princesses or whatever they were. And anyway, they all, that, that night, were, oh, my dress doesn't fit right, and it's not right. Can you please help me? So I wound up taking six dresses home, and I counted them, and I made sure I had six, and it was one way that I was going to keep track of them. So, of course, I work on these till, you know, the wee hours of the morning because they certainly needed more than they acted like they needed. And I laid them all, like, over the back of a chair so that, you know, in the kitchen so that like in the morning I wouldn't forget to take them to work with me because then I would be going to the theater directly from work. You know, I come down, I'm all ready to leave. Um, everything's going pretty well. I'm just about on time. You know, I'm going to get to work fine. And I count the dresses and there's five. <laughs> and I'm like, well, who would take a dress? You know, um, I don't, I you know, the dress is gone. I go, I go to the studio, I look for it. I'm like, what? I This is the time, too, before, like, everyone had a cell phone. Right. So I couldn't, like, call all of the, um, you know, daughters and say, did you take a dress? Or, you know, and I realized which one it was. It was Megan's, and it was the pink dress. You know, it was the pink dress, it was Megan's. So, like, I knew which one was gone. 
So I'm, I at least know I'm looking for this pink dress. I actually went out in the car, okay, and thought, maybe I really didn't bring it in. I just thought I brought it in. Maybe I didn't really work on it. I mean, like, my mind is really messed up. Well, it's also morning, and I've stayed up all night or whatever. So... Anyway, I just start kind of walking around the house, and I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to have to make her a new costume or something like this. And the dress is laying out in the great room, and the cat has made a bed out of it. <laughs> so the cat so stole, the, cat stole, the, stole dress. the dress. But what was so funny is the other dresses were not messed up. Like, somehow she just got this dress off the pile. <laughs> You know, uh, perfectly. Like, it wasn't messed up at all. But I, t- I truly, so I don't, thought the it spooky part about that is I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> okay? That was the spooky, spooky part about the saga of the missing dress. But, um, you know, I was, I, I was always pretty responsible about, like, counting them made me accountable. I know I had six dresses. <laughs> you know, I, I get. You're being so careful. Yeah, I was being so careful. And the. So I did ask her also um, if she was allergic to cats before I, I gave her her dress that night. And Good. She wasn't. So it all worked out. It wasn't that spooky. And the cat was a little upset that I took its dress away. The spookiest story is I was in my sewing room working on projects, finishing up packing sew-here boxes, organizing patterns, sweeping the floor, and then I realized I'd been in the sewing room so long that I'd forgotten to vote. No! <gasps> no! But I woke up, and it was just a dream. Hey, Zidi, wouldn't it be cool if everyone who listened to this podcast could learn how to make perfectly fitting leggings directly from you, the leggings expert? Well, yes, Mal. That's why we produce the Made to Measure Leggings class. I teach anyone, no matter their age, ability, or gender, to make perfectly fitting leggings based on their measurements. And if someone is feeling particularly generous, they can make leggings for anyone who they can get to stand still long enough to measure. You, yes you, can get immediate access to all the videos and course materials in the Made to Measure Leggings class by going to SewHere.com slash leggings. This online class allows you to complete the process at your own pace, and you own it forever, so you can re-watch it as many times as you need. Stop struggling with the leggings that roll down or sag in the wrong places. I'll be your guide as you create leggings that are made especially for you. No matter what your equipment or skill level, ZD covers everything from measuring, drafting, cutting, and construction on a sewing machine or serger in this class. Go to SewHere.com slash leggings and get started today. So make sure you get to the polls on November 3rd or vote early, everyone. For the second half of our Halloween podcast, we present a snippet of the totally awesome Bones and Bobbins podcast, a delightfully creepy, creepily crafty podcast from the minds of Haley and Natalie. This excerpt is all about arsenic green and its deadly effects for both wearers and workers. Enjoy! In 1814, a company in Schweinfurt, Germany, called Wilhelm Dye and White Lead Company, 
developed an extremely bright and saturated new green dye that became especially popular because women who had formerly been attending balls that were lowly lit by candlelight were starting to attend brighter events as gaslight came into fashion. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted bolder gown colors because everyone could actually now see each other. (laughs) (laughs) So the new green, as it would turn out, had some serious downsides. Um, It didn't really stop wealthy people from using it. This was yet another arsenic-based green, and people knew that arsenic was poisonous. This wasn't news. So, even though that was the case, any textile was fair game. So, green silk wallpaper that people may have heard of, that may or may not have killed Napoleon, and carpets also were being dyed this green. It was just everywhere in upper-class Victorian England during this time even though people knew that it had arsenic in it. In addition to textiles and garments, it was also used to color the foliage of artificial flowers. So you could really amp up an entire room with a shit ton of arsenic. Oh, I'm going there. On November 20th of 1861, a 19-year-old artificial flower maker named Matilda Scheurer died of arsenic poisoning. Now, yeah, which is a pretty gruesome death that we will get into. So she had worked dusting artificial leaves with a pretty vibrant green pigment. And the flowers that she was working with would have been used in hair ornaments and headdresses and crowns and things like that. So we're talking full outfit arsenic, if you really wanted to. Gloves, all the things. So the thing is that this pigment, like I mentioned earlier, was extremely pretty, but it also happened to be made by mixing copper and arsenic trioxide, which is also known as white arsenic. Arsenic is bad news. So the reason that I didn't get into all the gory details um, when we were talking about uh, Shields Green is because there are more than enough that come along with Paris Green and the deaths of the people working with Paris Green were widely reported on. And so, um, back to our artificial flower maker, Matilda, and her imminent demise. So, the book Fashion Victims, Dangers of Dress, Past and Present by Allison Matthews David has this to say. After Scheuer's death, the Ladies' Sanitary Association commissioned Dr. A.W. Hoffman, an analytical chemist with a worldwide reputation, to test artificial leaves from a lady's headdress. 
Hoffman shared his results with the public in a London Times article that was sensationally titled The Dance of Death. That's a good one. Not wrong. Very accurate, in fact. Um, And the expert concluded that an average headdress would have contained enough arsenic to poison 20 people. Whoa! That's a lot of people. From one headdress. Yes. Yes. And um, the green Victorian fabric. Mm. So much of late in vogue for ball dresses contained as much as half their weight in arsenic. (laughs) Yeah. Meaning a ball gown fashioned from 20 yards of this fabric. That's heavy. Would have had 900 grains of arsenic. And still quoting from this book, a Berlin doctor had determined that from a dress of this kind, no less than 60 grains powdered off in the course of a single evening. A grain is uh, based on the weight of a wheat grain and is about 65 milligrams. And four or five grains were lethal for an average adult. (laughs) You're literally shedding death everywhere. Yeah, and you had, like, sometimes you were in green wallpapered ballrooms with green carpets and many other women also in green dresses. Like, imagine the sheer amount of arsenic that was coming off. And it was so known that this was happening that there are cartoons from the time period of skeletons dancing together at balls. Oh my goodness. Wow. The arsenical green death was an extremely gruesome death. And um, again, Alice and Matthew David's book described very specifically how our flower maker died. Poor Matilda. So she had been sick on and off for the previous 18 months. And had been going about her life, like eating her lunch with the same hands that she was using to sprinkle this dust onto the flowers. She was just exposed, breathing it in constantly. The press described her death in grisly detail, and by all accounts, Scheurer's final illness was horrible. She vomited green waters. The whites of her eyes had turned green, and she told her doctor that everything she looked at was green in her final hours. Um, yeah. In her final hours, she had convulsions every few minutes until she died with, quote, an expression of great anxiety and foaming at the mouth, nose, and eyes. Okay, when your eyes start to foam, that's a whole nother level. I feel like when the whites of your eyes turn any color, it's a bad idea. And so, an autopsy confirmed that her fingernails had turned a very pronounced green and that the arsenic had reached her stomach, liver, and lungs. At the same time, like 18 months, that seems like Matilda was a hardy little thing to be subjected to that much and take that long. 
the rich who are buying these deadly green items were also suffering similar consequences. Uh, if the dye wasn't sealed, it could cause it to be absorbed through the wearer's skin when they started sweating, which consider crowded ballrooms with a lot of bodies and no air conditioning. Dancing. In less dramatic cases, this could mean something like skin irritation. But it could also mean that playing on a green carpet could kill your baby. Or that wallpaper in your bedroom could make you sick or eventually kill you. Foaming eyes. Like, foaming eyes, man. And so, apparently at the time, Victorian slang for an attractive person was to call them a killing creature. And it seems like it didn't start out referring to arsenic in dresses, but it definitely eventually began to refer to the poison that women were carrying in their dresses and on their headdresses and in their gloves. Shockingly, it would take until 1895 for regulations to be put in place for factory workers who were working with arsenic. Note that they didn't stop working with arsenic, that... They just had some There's regulations. Just some rules. Just a couple rules. Yep. That is a long time. Gosh. Yeah. So that's green. That's green. That's your favorite color, huh? It <laughs> is my favorite color. Thank you, Haley and Natalie. If you like creepy, crafty stuff, subscribe to the Bones and Bobbins podcast wherever you listen to Sewing Out Loud. Take it away, Mom. So long and so happy. Thanks for listening to Sewing Out Loud. For even more expert sewing advice, visit SewHere.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.